Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and of course, we are the Suicide Squadcast. We are a very tired squad right now, and yes. we're going to be very upfront about that. <laughs> um, Tim and I, nor Tim usually complains about his week. I usually am somewhat positive, but uh, there's a stomach bug going around my community right now. I had it last weekend. My parents had it this week. I had to stay home from work to watch my kids. So my butt is tired right now. <laughs> and grades were due this week too. And that's never a fun week. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So and me as well. Um, a real busy week for me getting ready for a big event that I've got next week, uh, which I will not be able to record on Friday as, as usual. Which is why we're dropping the Q&A episode next week. <laughs> that's right. That's why we're going to drop the Q&A episode. Uh, so super busy week and all that. And for a couple a couple things have happened this week. I had car problems, so I started having to deal with that, working a bunch of hours at work. And then the other problem is that my wife was sick this morning, and so she's not feeling good. So, And right around noon, I started feeling the same thing. So I just kind of trudged through the rest of my day at work, and uh, and I'm actually I'm close to 101 fever right now. So I'm going to just power through this, Scott. Oh, she shared with you. That's so <laughs> sweet. It's very sweet of her, yeah. It's um, not the kind of sharing that I really like enjoy but <laughs> i guess it's part of the contract right sickness and in health but we we are going to have some stuff here to talk about but i do have some news scott i just purchased a vehicle today amongst all this other busyness busyness through a text message with a car dealership i've been going back and forth all week and i purchased a new vehicle so i am a much poorer co-host as of today well you know you know i'm glad you're finally realizing that after 88 episodes it, it's, it's nice <laughs> for you to have a little self-realization yeah <laughs> of course i love how you say i purchased a vehicle you bought a car tim you bought a car yes i i, I purchased a car I, I just can't do it scott <laughs> oh come on you bought a car what yeah. can we say so anyway but scott you know okay we're gonna we're gonna just try to get through this episode fellas and just bear with us and <laughs> we we apologize we apologize for how we're sounding i know i sound god awful tired right now you apologize i sound great you, you I, sound I, you sound good so um, uh, i always do I mean, come on <laughs> you know i have a voice for radio what can i say yeah, that's that's about it that's about all you have for this oh, podcast. Geez, thanks. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, you know what? Just because we're patting ourselves on the back, how about we read some iTunes reviews where other people <laughs> pat our backs, and then that way we'll feel less like entitled jackasses? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and do okay. that. Um, guys, we got four iTunes reviews this past week, and we're just going to go ahead and front load these things because I don't think we're going to have the energy to read these things later. So <laughs> let's just go ahead and do these now. This is also making up for the ones that you weren't able to read last week with Brent. That's that's true. On that my absence. True. So, uh, first one comes from Hockey Star 777, titled, You Guys Deserve All the High Fives. And Hockey Star says, I listen to podcasts for a ton of different nerd realms, and this one satisfies my DC needs to be to the T. The guys do such a great job investing their time to really, really pay attention on what's going on in the DCEU, and they're my one stop shop to stay informed.
informed. I've loved Batman and everything about him since I was a little kiddo, which means loving DC was an automatic result of that. Because of the large amounts of hate that DC has received from their movies, it's refreshing to listen to a show that stays positive, doesn't throw unnecessary shade at other universes, and keeps things light. Amazing job, fellas. You guys deserve every single bit of this five-star rating. Smiley face, signed Jacob S. So thank you, Jacob. That's very nice of you, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to give us those words, and we try to do our best. We don't always do the best, uh, you know, in the end, but, you know. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, Tim. Remember, yeah. this, this is all about patting ourselves on the back. Let's, oh, let's, that's let's right. I forgot about stay that. Stay on message. Stay on message. Stay on message. Well, you give us the next message. Uh, this is from CBE Bruno. It's called Batastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite times of the week is when I get a notification that a new show is available to download. The guys help remind me that I'm not a nut for loving comic-based shows at my age. Well-spoken, produced, and thought-out show for DC lovers. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to more shows as the DCEU progresses, and CW shows, and Gotham on Fox, and animated movies. Wow. DC is everywhere. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for that. The third review we want to read is from Rooster44, The, and it's titled Favorite DCEU Podcast. And Rooster says, Suicide Squadcast is by far my favorite DC podcast, and I eagerly wait for each new episode to be released. Both Tim and Scott bring a great perspective on the past week's events in the DCEU and present a well-researched and optimistic view on them. And our last review today comes from Lego 21 Loss called Praise for the Dads the DCU. Oh. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I've been listening to this show since the beginning, and I love it. These two truly are the dads of the DCEU. They're not afraid to speak the truth, but unlike other podcasts, everything they say comes from a genuine love of all things DC. Their reactions to good and bad news are thought out and not flippant or negative. They don't fill their time with copious amounts of false conjecture, nor do they sugarcoat any situation with false hope. They treat their listeners like adults, and they treat the creators with respect. Again, unlike other podcasts. Thank you guys for the hours of entertainment and insight on all things DC. DC. Awesome. I'm yeah. so glad I got to read this review. I read this one last night on my iPhone and I was like, I love this review. Yeah, I love that. The dads of the DCEU. That's uh, <laughs> it's pretty flattering. I appreciate that. You know, we're, you know, we're both dads and uh, I think that's a nice homage to us as well as, as podcasters. Yep. And we're only one away from the next giveaway. Yep. So yay, get in that review. No, do not wait. Get in your review so you can be number 10 yeah. before we do the, because if you wait too long, you have to wait till the next 10. That's just the way it rolls. Yeah, and what we do is every 10 reviews, written reviews on iTunes, we give away a DC Trade paperback, $15 or less. So guys, if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will automatically be entered. So Scott, what, what's going on tonight? My phone is buzzing like crazy right now as we're trying to record. What the hell is going on here? Well, apparently the Batman has found a director. Um, yeah, I'm just going to, ju- I have to scroll down the show notes to find where I pasted all that. But yeah, let's, let's start with the big news. Yeah. Okay, so Variety. Justin Kroll, which, by the way, loving that guy's work right now, definitely following him on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, posted a story. Now, different headlights are saying different things, so we're just going to go by what Variety is saying, and mm-hmm. Justin is saying at Variety, which he says that Matt Reeves is in early talks to take over directing duties on The Batman. Sources tell Variety that the director of Cloverfield and War for the Planet of the Apes has already committed to helming the superhero pick, although a deal isn't done yet. 
uh, and then Variety points out, which is true, that they mentioned that Reeves was on the high list of directors to replace Affleck, which they did mention him by name in the news article a couple of weeks ago when Affleck stepped down. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that that made me think, wow, this has been, they knew this was coming. Yeah. I mean, it even says he's he's committed. He just, the deal isn't done, which makes me, basically makes me think, he said yes, they just haven't signed the paperwork yet. Mm-hmm. That's what that sounds like to me. Yeah. Your thoughts, Tim. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what that sounds like. And I'm kind of with you, Scott, on this as well. I mean, I kind of feel like this has been somewhat a little bit in the works. And, you know, at this point, I mean, I don't think uh, with a little bit of information we have, nobody, at least nobody has been able to publicly say with any kind of insight, like how long this has been going on. But I mean, I don't think this is something that just happened uh, this past week. I mean, this is something that uh, Warner Brothers, I'm sure, has been communicating with Ben Affleck. You know, uh, you know, the, apparently the this talk and the rumors about him, you know, possibly stepping down from being director on the Batman solo film. You know, that's been going on for like a month or two. You know, I, I think that's what uh, I think Mark Hughes had said as well. Like a lot of these rumors have been going around for a while. And so, you know, surely Warner Brothers had been having some kind of communications with Ben Affleck, probably knew, you know, where the possibility would be about what his decision would be. And, you know, Warner Brothers has, I'm sure, very much been actively talking to other directors and all that. So I think at this point, um, you know, we can't really say for sure how long, you know, Matt Reeves has been identified as the guy. But I mean, obviously, he's been a target. I mean, his name has been floating out there for quite a while in terms of, uh, you know, directors that, you know, DC and uh, Warner Brothers wanted to do some more stuff with. So and the Twitter saloons already knows that he'd followed Jeff Johns on Twitter this past week. That's right. So once again, that Twitter thing really is like a magic eight ball. Like it really does work. And so people can stop giving it. I don't know if anyone is is left to give it crap because it has been like, like the only one we're holding out on is Army Hammer. Other than that, like it's worked like every single time. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of freaky. Yeah. Yeah. It it really has. And so, I mean, you Twitter sleuths that are out there that have time to do this, keep doing it (laughs) because it's a, it's always fun to kind of see uh, people uncover this stuff. I, I know at DC Cinematic on Reddit, uh, you know, I follow that site a lot and, and a lot of a lot of great contributors over there find all these different things. And of course, all the different, uh, you know, all the different websites and all that will pick it up and, you know, make stories out of it. But, uh, you know, this is just another case where, you know, some kind of, tw- you know, Twitter sleuth out there just uncovered something. And and uh, sure enough, it looks like it's, uh, th- you know, there definitely was something to it. So I just, you know, it just keeps on thinking that, you know, with Matt Reeves and Terrio doing the rewrite on the script, which by the way, since you weren't here last week and Brent and I were talking about this, so a little follow-up from last week. Do you fall more in the camp of Terrio gave John's and Affleck's script a polish? Or are you in the camp of the page one rewrite? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Yeah. What, what were your thoughts? Uh, okay, so this is where my thoughts were. Uh, based on the source article, and I think it was with Deadline. Yeah, it was Deadline. It was, it was that one sentence dropped in the middle of the Affleck stepping down as director right. story. Yeah, yeah, it was that one sentence, and that was all the uh, reported information that we had on it. And if you take a look at what was actually said in that, there was nothing that said anything about it being like a page one rewrite. And, uh, you know, in considering the relatively short amount of time that we know about from when there was uh, a script that was put together by Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns, and then the the amount of time that it took for Terriel to submit, um, I guess they called it a rewrite. I don't think it was a very long amount of time. So I kind of fall in the camp that it was a polishing and, uh, you know, that's what I believe was probably the case. Now, I know some websites were what I think erroneously 
reporting it as uh, a complete rewrite of the script and in you know they were doing this based on that same deadline article so i don't uh, i don't think there's anything there that i can see that says it was a full on rewrite uh, now we do know that you know there's been different versions of that script that have gone out i mean i'm sure this has been in the works for quite a while like some kind of like new restarting of the batman franchises and there's there's been talk about you know there was originally um, going to be more arkham based and that um, there was going to be a lot of villains and we heard that like a year back or so yeah yeah there's gonna be a lot of different villains and so we had heard that original vision of the script or at least the the original draft or whatever it might have been uh you know was along those lines and then when ben affleck was officially named as director uh i think he went back and and i believe he retooled it with jeff johns and you know they recrafted a story that probably fit a little bit more into where the dceu was going uh, especially with uh, what Zack snyder was doing with between man of steel and batman v superman leading up to justice league i i feel like it was probably recrafted and we had heard that ben affleck was talking quite often about he has a script it's not quite there yet um it still needs some work to me that sounds like that's when either warner brothers came in and said hey you know how about we bring in chris terrio and he can you know he can kind of polish off some of these things that you guys are struggling with or you know maybe ben Aff- that was ben affleck's suggestion who knows you know we don't really know at this point both ben affleck and warner brothers have a really good relationship with chris terrio so uh but that's where i kind of feel like that's where chris came in and you know took a step back and and probably polished off the script so that's my thought i know that's a long-winded answer to your question but where did you guys land what you didn't listen to us i mean come on we already gave you our thoughts i mean mean, do you still feel that way i listened to you obviously i produced the episode Um, yeah, I think it's more of a Paul. It happened, th- this process of Affleck steps down, the, like the same day he steps down, Terry is turning in a rewrite, and then a week later, they're already like waiting for the ink to dry, you know, we're just waiting for the ink to dry on a new director. Mm-hmm. The, this did not just magically happen. This this has been in process. The only thing that makes this look bad, and I will completely admit that, was that we, we always go back to the Jimmy Kimmel interview with Affleck. And yeah. Affleck saying, I'm doing it. Affleck shot himself in the foot in that interview. If right. he had not said anything to that uh, to that degree on that Jimmy Kimmel live interview, I, there wouldn't be as much ammo. No, not nearly no, as much. We would be, we'd be disappointed, but it, it it's becoming too clear to me that that whole time, th- he already knew he was stepping down. Right. He already knew Terry was doing a rewrite. Yep. You know, they had to have already been talking to directors. This was already going on. Yeah, that's what I believe as well. Yep. And Affleck hurt himself and the film and the studio with that comment. That is my opinion. Yeah, definitely. We're, let's. I mean, I think we're being perfectly clear here. Affleck screwed up on this. He, he made uh, just a major mistake in terms of credibility uh, with what he did on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And, you know, and when he makes that kind of a definitive statement that, you know, he is going to direct the film and then just very shortly after that, he withdraws from it. When, like you said, Scott, these things, these talks had to have been going on. This just doesn't happen overnight. You know, he's got a good relationship with Warner Brothers and, you know, he's just not going to suddenly send him a text and go say, yeah, by the way, I'm backing out. <laughs> That's just not how it works. I mean, this stuff is, you know, these talks have had to have been going on for quite a while. In fact, we even have evidence of it, you know, from some of the reporter and from Mark Hughes and others. So he totally shot himself in the foot. And the, the biggest problem with that whole deal is that by him doing that, when he goes and says something like, I am still going to star in the film, you know, a 
lot of us fans, especially us that are kind of on the outside looking in, we look at that and go, well, man, can we believe what Ben says now? <laughs> you know, because he was very adamant about directing it, but now, you know, and then he backed out. So then when he says that he's still going to star in it and, you know, he's still going to play, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know, we, we want to believe him. But now it's like we kind of have a little bit more hesitation. And, and really that's, you know, Ben Affleck did him, himself a big huge disservice and losing credibility because of that. Yeah. Now, another thing, uh, moving on to something else Batman related, is this whole idea that all these headlines that like, you know, Deathstroke maybe not being in the film because of the rewrite and Joe Meganello maybe just not playing the role because he's in talks to be in another movie too. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, one, there's a article that the headline was, is Joe Meganello leaving the Batman? Mm-hmm. And you read it and it's just like, he's in talks to be in another movie. Right. That's the that's the actual facts of the story. <laughs> and so they turned it into a clickbait headline that he wasn't going to be in the movie anymore. Yeah. But then he was on this Dragon Talk podcast, and it's obvious that he's in training for Deathstroke. Right. I mean, I was reading this kind of with some fanboy glee, which I know shocks people listening to this show. Scott has fanboy glee. Never. <laughs> um, but he's he he started, he says on this podcast, and uh, Dragon Talk that he has uh, started katana training. Mm-hmm. You know that he wanted. He's been asking questions of his trainers, like what are the most offensive styles of martial arts? What are the stances? He's even talking about okay, but what would happen if I'm a guy who doesn't have one of my eyes? Mm-hmm. How is that going to affect my stance? How is that going to affect my peripheral vision? How would I adapt to being a one-eyed man? Mm-hmm. Which, oh my goodness, I think that is. I mean, that's great acting that's great getting into character right that's you know even in the physical you know combat training he's thinking about it like the character would because actually i thought this was funny if you go back to the tonius daniel run on deathstroke right before rebirth happened and through various comic book reasons slay gets younger and gets both his eyes back he actually talks in the comic book how he's not as good of a fighter right now because he spent way too many years with one eye that it screws him up to have two and so I thought that made me think about Manganello's comments that like he's he's training with the understanding of I only have one eye so what would I do as that kind of character so obviously Manganello's still in it based on this interview and based on this level of thought he's put behind it right yep yeah and uh, he said something else that was kind of interesting too where he you know he was in that same interview he was talking about how you know he goes back and uh, you know he's read all the different comic books and all that so he has this real general idea of like how Deathstroke is being was you know how he is in the comic books and all but he says you know with the script uh, he says you know they may change things up from the canon and he makes this little statement that you know there's been like three or four different ways in which he's lost an eye and so he's questioning is are they going to be doing one of those or are they going to be doing it in a completely new way and if he's going to lose an eye he needs to kind of play it according to the script and so that kind of made me wonder is he kind of like basically revealing that maybe he hasn't lost an eye yet uh, or or maybe I'm curious about whether it's just we don't get his backstory that deep in the script and so he wanted to talk to somebody like okay like what is the actual like what is our headcanon for how he lost his eye right because I mean I know like in Judas Contract you get Deathstroke's origin in that and you know there's one way he loses his eye there and then if you watch Son of Batman he loses his eye a different way so it it, I agree with him I I like the idea that he's like I even want to know how I lost my eye Mm -hmm. yeah 
and you know, it's so cool that he knows all these different <laughs> incarnations, you know, that just goes to show you that he's really been doing his homework on this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was, let's, so let's kind of talk about the timing all this again, and like kind of circle back to Matt Reeves in talks here uh, to the BID director, nothing official yet. But apparently he's, you know, like we like we'd reported, uh, according to what Variety reported that he's actually agreed to do it. Now they're just kind of negotiating. So timing wise, we know that they were kind of scheduled to start filming somewhere let's just say this summer coming up. Um, we know that Manganello had been talking about he was prepared to start filming in the spring or in the summer. We know that there has been a rewrite to the script. And, you know, this, what we'll let's call it what we think is a polishing of Ben Affleck and Jeff John's script written by uh, Chris Terrio. So if that's the case, and there's also another report that everyone seems to be quite happy at Warner Brothers with this latest script. Uh, and that actually comes from Kroll as well. So if we have a script that's done, that that, that everyone feels pretty happy about. If we have a director who might be about ready to come in and start working on this film, do some pre-production work, we have people that have their schedules set aside for doing this. I mean, could you could you see a scenario where we could actually get to beginning production on this film by the middle of this year if you have a new director coming in? Yeah, the one other thing I would add on this, Scott, is that it's not like people had been sitting around idle when it comes to the pre-production side of things. I mean, they've been scouting locations. You know, they had already determined they probably wanted to film this over in LA. There's a lot of this work that's been done ahead of time. It's not like they just suddenly have to just start the ball rolling on this on the pre-production side. I mean, there's a, there has been a bunch of work that's gone on that you know we're not even aware of at this point, but we've had some indications of it. So all these things considered, do you think it's possible? It possible, absolutely. Anything's possible. But but like you said, I don't think pre-production ever came to a jarring halt. We knew that it was slowing down, which is why there was those reports about it moving from a spring to a summer uh, production start. If Matt Ryan, if, sorry. Not Matt Ryan. Totally different, <laughs> totally different DC. I just want to play Constantine theme song right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Um, with Matt Reeves, if he is, the question will be if he's willing to pick the ball up where Ben Affleck put it down. Mm-hmm. You right. Know, does, does Matt Reeves need to start fresh or is Matt Reeves willing to go, okay, Ben, thank you for all this work you've already done. I'll take it from here. Mm-hmm. Which kind of goes back to Affleck's comments in the statement where he stepped down was like, I'm looking for a partner. You know, were they looking for somebody who was kind of willing to play ball and go, I don't have to scrap everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not too proud to pick up where Ben left off. Especially Especially since Ben is still a producer and a star in the film. Right. I would definitely say if that's the case, if Matt Reeves is willing to just continue the process that had already been started, I could absolutely see, conceivably, uh, sticking with that sort of summer production. I, yes. re- I really do if Matt Reeves does not want to start from square one. Yeah. So, Scott, I th- so I think this is the key. And I think this is, I, I think we're kind of settling in the same opinion on Scott. And so this is, I guess this would be our position to, you know, the list here that we kind of feel like um, this this wasn't like a sudden realization that they needed to find a new director. So this is something that's been in the works. They've reworked the script. They've got it polished off. It's, you know, I, I think from some accounts here, the script is ready to go. Uh, we also know from the comments that Ben Affleck made when he announced that he's going to be stepping down, that he was looking for somebody to partner with. Ben Affleck is still the executive producer on this. You know, he's had a lot in 
invested into trying to get this thing going. He just wasn't able, you know, he, he felt like he wasn't able to do it or was unwilling to continue to take on all that burden for the singular film, you know, playing all the different roles that he would have to play. So that said, you know, if, you're right, Scott. If, if Matt comes in and he says, look, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with where you guys are going with this. I like the script. I do want to partner with you, Ben. Come in and be the director on this thing. You know, I, I, I agree with your vision. I, I think we could absolutely get this thing going because let's look at what Matt Reza is going on. You know, he's got the new uh, Planet of the Apes film that's going to be coming out um, this year. He's got nothing else that I know of that's in the works beyond that. So I don't know what else he's got going on in his life, but if uh, if it's just in terms of like, you know, him being a filmmaker and there's really nothing else that I know of that's on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's, let's briefly say neither one of us have seen any of this guy's work. No, 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 that's not true. No, you've seen, you, what, have you seen Cloverfield? Yeah, I've seen Cloverfield and I've seen Planet of the Apes. You, I thought you said you hadn't seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. No, no, you I have. have seen Dawn. Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you misled me, sir. No, no, the one I had not seen was the vampire film. <laughs> oh, okay, let me let in. Let me in, yeah, I have not seen that one okay i still need to see dawn the planet of the apes i loved rise of the planet of the apes mm-hmm. and just never got around to seeing dawn so here's the thing everyone's excited about this i don't know the guy from adam mm, I, I know that he i know that people who have seen his movies are excited about this mm-hmm. thus i am excited because i have no other reason not to be until <laughs> i actually go and watch one of his movies and i think dawn of the planet of the apes is going to be that one that i go and watch yeah but if people who know this kind of stuff are excited about him being the director then i I have no reason to feel any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Dawn is a, Dawn is just a beautiful film. You know, actually, all the Apes films have been really great. It's, you know, and maybe a lot of it has to do with Andy Serkis, but it's just uh, beautifully filmed. Um, that gives me a lot of confidence in him as a director. That's the really, that's the real convention, the only conventional film of his that I've seen. I mean, I've seen Cloverfield as well, uh, you know, but that's a, that's a found footage film and, you know, it's got a certain style and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very jumpy and, you know, I, I don't think it's a great representation of, you know, what his visual style would be as a director. But I mean, I think you could look at Dawn and say, yeah, that that looks that looks fantastic. And uh, so just from that standpoint, I feel really good about it. I felt like, you know, the pacing in Dawn was really, really good and the story, you know, so I mean, I you know, you, you got to give him some credit on that uh, as well. So, you know, I the, the little bit I know about him and he doesn't have a huge resume here, but I mean, I feel really good about it. And so, you know, this is definitely somebody that I would be excited about seeing. Cool. Well, you want to talk about some other stuff? Because there is other news, even yeah. though this kind of like hit us. I mean, literally, <laughs> we were we were 15 minutes away from hitting the record button, and our phones were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah." A little bit of news. And for God's sakes, guys, I'm getting like nonstop texts <laughs> here from you guys and tweet messages and this and that. It's 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 funny. We love you guys, but man, we are on this. Okay, <laughs> I promise <laughs> you, we're on this. It's, I love it. It's like, what, what do you think? What do you think? It's like recording now. <laughs> Wait 24 hours. You'll find out what we think. Yeah. Guys, we're, we're, I mean, we're busy guys. We're, you know, we're fathers of a couple children each and, you know, we, you know, have careers and all that, but we're not oblivious to the news. <laughs> but I, I do love this. I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, our listeners are super excited right now. I mean, like literally my, I am just filled up with messages right now, so I can't wait to read them after we get off this. Um. Okay. So do a little bit of a, let's do a little bit of a rewind to where yes. we normally would have started the show. <laughs> uh, so talking about DC films and Warner Brothers in general, I saw this tweet. I was super excited. Yeah. Time Warner Consumer Products announced that they had a record year last year for DC Comics merchandise. Right. Apparently, we, the consumers, spent an estimated $4.5 billion, with a B, billion dollars on DC Comics merchandise, which contributed to the record performance that the overall consumer
consumer products division had. Yeah. Uh, sweet. I know that I bought several T-shirts, a few mugs, you know, oh, some statues. Would... You know, yeah, there's a few things. There's a few things that I bought in 2016. Substantial amount of things that I bought. But, I mean, this is – we made this point a long time ago, Scott. I mean, early on when we started our show, we said, you know, regardless of how these films do, you know, because I think the – I think at the time we talked about this, because there was always a debate about, oh, you know, I think it was like Batman v Superman wasn't profitable, or maybe we might even talk about Man of Steel at the time, that it only made like $100 million or whatever it was, some ridiculous like criticism about the film. And we said, you know, this is the thing you got to realize is there's a much bigger picture, especially with Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers has not just the original source material, they've got DC Entertainment, but they've got, you know, they've got the same licensed properties that they use, and they spread it throughout all of Time Warner. And so you see it in the films, you see it in TV, you see it in consumer products, you see it in video games. Um, we're seeing it all over. I mean, we're, we're starting to see it digitally online with Machinima and things like that. So, I mean, you you know, they they are taking this thing and every chance they have to just uh, keep pumping up the brand, they're doing it. And it and it pays off dividends in so many different areas. So, you know, when people say, oh, the film only made this much money, you got to remember, you know, there's a much bigger picture that Jeff Bukas, uh, you know, looks at uh, with Time Warner. <laughs> and so this is just, this is exactly kind of like what we've said is like, you know, there, there's a ton of money that they're making in, in merchandising. And, you know, $4.5 billion just in DC. That's that's unbelievable. I, I, I was shocked at that number, to be honest with you. I just, I, I, I can't conceive of that much money. So it's just kind of like, ooh, ooh, big number with a B. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess, I mean, so this is the thing, guys. I mean, you know, you you can take the DC films and, you know, I know they're, they've been controversial and they've been, uh, you know, they've they've had people that really loved it. You know, we love the films. We've hit, I think a lot of our listeners really like the films. We have listeners that don't like them. Um, you know, so they've been divisive and all that. But in the end, my God, everybody still talks about these films. And I mean, <laughs> yes. just constantly, we're, we're constantly, I, we were just having a conversation today uh, with um, someone on Twitter or one of our, you know, someone that listens to our show that, you know, is not a big fan of the films. And it's like, you know, to this day, we're still talking about it. And, and this is not a knock on the Marvel films or things like that, because we, you know, we love the Marvel films for what they are. You know, I enjoy them. You know, I think they're, they're fantastic films. But man, I talk about the DCEU films all the time. <laughs> and I'm always going back and kind of rethinking about, you know, the things in the different layers and all the different interactions in the films and all that. And, and this is what I love about these films. And uh, so I, I feel like, you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I hope Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment and DC Films that they just continue to do what they're doing. You know, take the criticisms, take the, you know, take the feedback they've gotten from fans and, and the critics and, you know, and make some adjustments, you know, try to make, try to make the product um, a little bit more acceptable. But in the end, you know, just be happy with what they've been producing. They've just been some fantastic uh, films that just, that just, you know, continue to carry on in your thoughts and all that. I'm rambling here, guys. I am sick. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm I'm sick. <laughs> <coughs> Justice League. Yes. We got a picture from Total Film Magazine. I flipped my lid when I saw this sucker. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg. Yeah. Wonder Woman up front, looking fierce. Cyborg with a freaking sonic cannon. Mm-hmm. And a background that looks remarkably like Kryptonian in design. It does. I'm, I'm you know, I would enjoy watching the, t- the Twitter debates about where they are, but man, that looks kind of reminds me of the inside of the scout ship or what the 
interiors on Krypton looked like on Man of Steel. It does. Uh, it equally looks very alienish to me. I mean, this looks like the typical kind of interior that you see in a lot of uh, alien type films. I mean, heck, this looks a lot like aliens. Alien. <laughs> so you know. So yeah, I agree. It's you know. I mean, it, it makes me think of the Kryptonian look, but I mean, it could be any kind of alien look. I mean, this could be apocalyptian for all I know. But I gotta say this. I I love the idea that again we continue to have Wonder Woman up front. You know, she's up front in every picture. She's up front in every picture, and I love that Warner Brothers is doing that. You know, this is uh, you know, they're not they're not shy about this at all. Like she is taking charge in every shot that we've seen here, and I just love the fact that they're doing it. And by the way, I do have a question for you, Scott. Now, when did we start calling Cyborg's white noise like a sonic cannon? Was that did that come into cartoons? Yeah, that was, that was the the teen the Teen Titans cartoon. Okay, that's when they kind of gave it a different name because we used yes. to always call it like a white noise cannon back yeah, in the comics. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, back back in the old days, but <laughs> since like two, but since like two thousand and three with the Teen Titans cartoon, it's been a sonic cannon. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to confirm that with you. I figure you would know. Booyah, booyah. That's right. He always says booyah when he <laughs> goes to use it. So um, the, we actually saw some of the green screen sets of this. Like if you yeah, actually, we did. yeah. So this is what uh, I guess this is what they've actually kind of added in. But I, I, we actually saw what they're standing on was like a green mat, and you did see those little rails, like the same rails there. So yeah, because that was in the uh, some of the special feature documentaries that were on the BVS Blu-ray, I think. Yes, yes, yep. yes. So so very cool. So how soon are we get in a trailer, Scott? It sounds like it sounds like it might be really really soon. Well, if Gal Gadot is to be believed, her mm-hmm. comment is "ha ha soon." So um, it, 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 if Wonder Woman tells me it's going to be soon, <laughs> I believe Wonder Woman. Uh, that is my official stance. Yeah, and I believe it's also the stance of the Suicide Squadcast Network that if right. Wonder Woman says it's so, it must be true. <laughs> it must be true. Yeah. So I I, I think we're going to get something soon. I don't think we're going to have to wait uh, until Wonder Woman to see it. We're obviously not seeing it with Lego Batman, but I think the other popular opinion is that we'll see it with Kong. Yeah, which will be interesting because that's not a movie I'm interested in going to see. But you know, it, if as long as they release it online like the day before, like they normally do, that's fine by me. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of feel like you know when Zack Snyder starts getting a little bit active on social media, which he has been lately. Vero's yeah. been he's been very regular on Vero lately. Well, he's been kind of he's been pretty regular on Vero anyway. But I mean more, so, but but more so, but more so. Well, though the other thing was when he put out that like little twelve minute special effects trailer. Uh, yes, that he put out for you know when he starts doing that kind of thing, it kind of makes you feel like you know he's kind of ramping up some kind of drop of some sort. So I don't know. That's kind of what I feel like. Yeah, I hope that's and, the case. So um, now we were trying to look at this interview with the second unit directors of uh, Justice League, who also mm-hmm. worked on uh, Batman v Superman and Man of Steel. It was actually the second unit director and the visual effects supervisor. And it's a it, it's a it's like a two part interview. Lots of interesting things. Tim and I just kind of went through and highlighted uh, like mm-hmm. our favorites. Yeah. Uh, I want to start off with one that I liked. Well, before we before we do, let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, this actually yeah, okay. came from David Dowd of Heroic Hollywood, who actually is doing some original story here. So some original reporting. <laughs> so good for them. Sweet. Good. Yep. Okay. So of course the question about the um, the tone. I'm, I'm sick and tired of that question, but it <laughs> comes up every time. And uh, uh, the second unit director Damon Caro had this to say, and I really liked it. And the interesting thing is, on Man of Steel, in Zack Snyder's head, he had the storyline treatment of where they were going to go, and at the beginning of BVS, it was even richer and deeper. The arc was BVS was the midway point and the darker movie. Hence, what happens at the end, the whole tone of it was darker. If you play your story all at one level, there are no peak.
peaks and valleys, there's no life. The great stories, the great tragedies, even life, we have to be knocked down before we can build our way up. Justice League was always the rebirth of hope and the rise. People try to say that it's a response to the backlash, and I definitely say that criticisms were heard, but it's not like we threw everything out and started with a blank slate. It's a bit like Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back, dark movie. But then Return of the Jedi is the rise and the rebuilding of hope. Mm -hmm. So, I think this once again brings up the point we've said, which was Justice League was always supposed to be lighter. Mm -hmm. Justice League was supposed to be hopeful. But, like Deborah Snyder said during that Justice League set visit we talked about last summer, criticisms were heard. So, they were already going to do it, but they took other things into account from the backlash. Right. So, once again, more people saying, we heard you, we were already going to do it, but we paid even closer attention to what you said, and we incorporated that into what we were already planning on doing. Like, we need to hear this again, like, we don't have to hear this again for, like, the umpteenth time <laughs> at this point. Right. I mean, and again, this, you know, we've mentioned this before, this also goes back to the Chris Terriel interview from back in, what, last March? Last March, like, yeah. three weeks before the movie came out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he even kind of acknowledged that the, that was the plan, that they were going to be going lighter with Justice League as well, and, and I think he even made the reference to Empire Strikes Back. Yes, he did make the he did make the Empire reference. Yeah, so I mean, this so. has been a common thing that they've all kind of like believed that this is, you know, how this little trilogy was going to go. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. I also like what David Carroll had said, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and read this quote because a lot of a lot of kind of fun things that he said in here. See, he says, whatever I'm doing, I want to make a movie in every aspect of it that would make me go to a midnight showing and stand in line to do that. And for us, we succeeded, especially the ultimate cut. And he says, I love both cuts of the film. Uh, I think it's amazing comic book film. He says, I think it's super layered. And I think a lot of what Zach does is really deep and layered. And that's not as common in the comic book scene. So it feels disjointed to them. And, you know, the, and I'm just going to jump out of this for a sec. So that that's what, uh, you know, he's kind of like touching on what I really love about these films is, you know, it's deep and it's layered. And uh, uh, but he also mentions that this because of that, it feels disjointed to some people. And I think that's, you know, where some of the critics and some of the fans um, had issue with film is like they kind of felt like it became disjointed. But he says, you know, you see a lot of critics even revisiting the film and saying, oh, you know, on the fourth viewing, I'm getting it now. And apparently uh, David actually worked on Fight Club, which I did not know, uh, with David Fincher. And so talked about what like a, a great learning experience it was. And that was a very similar process where the movie was not well received, but the movie is really deep and, and ultimately really became a cult classic. And I'd agree with that. There was just a lot of really fun things in Fight Club. Did, we, I don't, we've never talked about this. Did you like Fight Club, Scott? Oh, oh, you, do I like Fight Club? Um, did you not see I have a leather-bound, personalized, autographed copy of Fight Club by Chuck Polinick that I'm l laying my hands on right now. So did I like Fight Club? Hell yes, I love Fight Club. <laughs> I love awesome. that movie. I yeah. love that movie. I love the book. I I mean, I I love Fincher. So yeah. it, yes, yes, I love Fight Club. Well, and that book by Polanowicz is just fantastic. <laughs> it's 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 as fun to read and different. It's it it feels like it like when you read that book, it doesn't feel like you're revisiting the movie because there's so much more in that book that's just not captured in the film. And uh, yeah, it, that's uh, I love the book and I love the film as well. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to send you if you didn't see it. I'll have to send you a picture of this yeah. like offline just just so that I can make you like hate me even more. Yeah. Well, I don't think you could do that. Quite honestly, <laughs> screw you. <sighs> I, I heard what you and Brent said about me last week. 
Yeah, and I knew you were going to. I mean, you're going to produce the dang thing. So. Yes, of course, of course. Anyway, um, so the one last thing that that Damon had said is, you know, he doesn't really he doesn't really understand the divisiveness between you know whether you like a Marvel film or a DC film. He says, you know, he just flat out doesn't understand the hatred and divisiveness. And and I would agree with him on this. I mean, you know, like I like the Marvel films for what they are and what they do and what they do well. You know, they're very good at what they do. And but I also equally like the DC films, if not more. You know, it's probably more more tailored to, you know, my sensibilities, but, um, you know, they're, they're unique and you really can't compare the two. Nor should you. Nor should nor, you. Nor, nor should you. I think, I think that's the point. Nor should you. They are, they are different universes. They are different styles. And if, if one's not your cup of tea, then leave it alone. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. This is another point that the special effects, uh, Hirodo was saying, uh, he says, but I guess it's weird to me when it makes people mad, but even with stuff I don't like, I don't want to pour gasoline on them and start a fire. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. When there's stuff that I don't like, I just leave it alone. I, I, I don't dwell on it. So my point is you cannot like the DCEU. You cannot like the MCU. Or you could love both, like I do. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to throw shade at one. Or if you don't like one of them, then you can just ignore it and treat it like it doesn't exist. <laughs> that is perfectly okay. Because yep. there's a lot of stuff that I treat like doesn't exist because not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I don't feel like everything has to be catered to me. So, you know, I, I like I like that. I like I like the idea that you don't have to set the world on fire just because you don't like something. Yep. So well cool, man. So what do we want to talk about now? Well, you know what? Um you know what you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Justice League Dark. Yeah. I finally got to watch the movie. We've been teasing to our listeners that we were gonna do a review. Now this isn't gonna be like a full fledged review or anything, no. but yeah. um I I gotta say, I watched it Wednesday. Wednesday, or th- it was Wednesday night. I watched it Wednesday night after it came out on on Tuesday on Blu-ray. I thought they hit it out of the park. <laughs> I uh, went talking about, and when I say that, I mean if you consider the seven, inclusively dark, of the incontinuity, sort of this New Fifty Two post Flashpoint continuity that started with Justice League War and has been through three Justice League movies, three solo Batman movies, and then this movie. It was a different flavor. I loved the mixture of character and action. And the music was a completely different... It, it had The music for this movie had character mm-hmm. that some of the other incontinuity movies, you know, they were a little bit more generic. But this one, the music actually, like, popped out to me. And I was like, ooh, I like that. I like that. And I'm looking forward to buying the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I thought Matt Ryan was great as Constantine. Yes. I loved really the interaction of the whole whole team I loved Swamp Thing being in the movie yeah that was that was great that was nice yeah and it was interesting I, I, my complaint about Batman being there is still mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Um, but I did like how he's there but he's almost like the audience he, they treat Batman like the audience character mm-hmm. because he actually doesn't say a whole lot they really do push they, they really do despite Batman being front and center on the box art they really do push the focus to the just like dark members and I had I had a blast watching it mm-hmm. I gave it four and a half out of five stars on voodoo I'll, I'll tell you that four and a half out of five yeah you know I'd probably give it I would probably give it about a seven out of ten honestly surprisingly to me like I really enjoyed the Justice League dark member side of it like seeing a rhyming demon you know in an animated film I just thought was fantastic you know to see Jason blood and to and you know 
have Matt Ryan as constant scene. I love that Swamp Thing. I thought these were great. I, you know, seeing Dead Man, like this was almost like a kind of a mini dream come true because I, I love all these little characters, not necessarily by themselves, but I love actually kind of seeing little bits and pieces of them kind of interact together. I got to be honest with you, Batman being in it kind of took me out of it. And that's my biggest complaint with this whole thing. Now, I was not so worried about, you know, some of the focus being on Batman prior to the film, but I got to say when I was actually watching it, like I just almost didn't want him part of it because to me, it was a little bit it was just a little bit out of where I like seeing Batman at. Like, I, I don't necessarily like Batman being so involved in the supernatural side of things. And, like, there were a couple things, like, where, um, like, he was kind of, like, somewhat interacting with those, what, they call them wraiths or something. I can't remember what they, the ones that were coming to get. Richie. Yeah, yeah um, Richie. Which, by the way, was the same actor who played Richie in the in Matt Ryan's live-action TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I appreciated all that part of it. But, I mean, I kind of felt like, you know, when he, when, you know, when they were surrounding him and he said boo you know like to me that was just like okay that's not batman <laughs> no i laughed my i'm sorry i busted a gut i laughed i i enjoyed that okay yeah I, to I me would, i didn't like that part no well that's because you're no fun <laughs> so true. no actually i was i actually went in afraid that batman was going to be a bigger part of the movie and so what i saw what level he was involved I appreciate it. I like the mm-hmm. fact that he was kind of out of his depth. That, he, that like I said, he was more like the audience entrance character mm-hmm. into Just League Dark. And I also think that maybe if people buy this movie and pe- this is successful, it's kind of like how the last in-continuity movie we had was Justice League versus Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of Justice League uh, uh, mixing with the Teen Titans. And now the next in-continuity movie we're getting is a pure Teen Titans movie. I almost see... This movie kind of functions the same way. Like, Batman was there to kind of be our gateway into the dark side. That if this does well, maybe they'll do another movie and then it will be just the dark members, the same way that we're getting Judas contract and it will be all Teen Titans, unlike Justice League versus Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. So I would say that for the for the Justice League movies, this has been my favorite of the four. Like, if we're talking Justice League War, Justice League Throne of Atlantis, Justice League versus Teen Titans, and Justice League Dark, this has been my favorite of the four mm-hmm. of the Justice League movies of this continuity. Yeah. So um, I had I had a blast with it. And the uh, uh, I want to be somewhat spoiler-free, but there was a twist at the end. They fooled me. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming, and I loved it. Mm. Like, they actually pulled one over on me, which does not happen a lot. Yeah. So I, I, had, a, I had a good time, and there's a great documentary about the creation of Swamp Thing that's on, like, if you get iTunes extras or if you get the Blu-ray, it's called Who is Swamp Thing? And it's a nice little 15-minute documentary mm. uh, for Swamp Thing fans. That thought was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I I I think the animation and the soundtrack were just absolutely fantastic. Like I really liked the character designs on a lot of these characters, and I, I thought the animation style, the coloring, um, I thought it was all great. I really enjoyed that part of it. But yeah, it's surprisingly enough. As much as I love Batman, I just I I didn't. I wanted to see less of him in this. And I would say they had less than I thought they were going to have, and that made me happy. <laughs> so I guess it kind of depends on your. It kind of depends on your expectations. Going 
going in about how much Batman you think there's going to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. If you were afraid there was going to be too much Batman, then there wasn't that much Batman. Yeah. But if you didn't want any Batman, you're going to be disappointed that there's Batman in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so overall, I, I really enjoyed the film, you know, aside from these quibbles here, uh, you know, seeing Felix Faust and Horse Swamp things. Zatanna. Mer- uh, Merlin. I loved Merlin being in there. That's, yeah. I loved you get Etrigan's backstory. I right. That was great. Yeah. And those three demons as well. And I can't, I always forget their <gasps> names. What, the what Demons are, Three. The Demons the, Three. But they, I can't remember what their actual names are. Like for me, like it was fun seeing them because as a little kid, I remember, you know, I knew nothing about those demons, but I remember when I had DC's Who's Who comic book. That was one of the first, I think it was actually in the first issue. It, they showed who these three demons were. And I, like I'd never heard of them, but I just still remember the the image of them. And it's always kind of stuck in my head like, oh, these, these look like fun characters. And to actually see them in an animated film was pretty fun. But yeah, the story was, the story was, uh, was story was pretty good. I did enjoy it quite a bit. Like I said, just a few quibbles, you know, on who they brought into it. Uh, I thought some of the dialogue I did not like. You know, they were a little bit too cheesy on a couple of the lines. Um, one of them was like, um, I, I think one of the demons were being uh, whisked away. They said something like, your ass is grass and we're the lawnmower. No, I laughed. I'm sorry. No, I laughed at that. I'm no, s- it, that it was basically- too much for me. <laughs> uh, well, once again, you have no fun. No, I do have fun, but that just, that was no, out of you place. Do not. You have no fun in your soul. No, it was not. No, it was not for the Demons 3. And they're in a Vegas casino. I mean, come on. Uh, guys, don't listen to Tim. It's a great movie. Go buy it. Support it. I never said don't see it. I'm just telling you what my quibbles were. I know. And they're, and they're, and they're such quibbles. It's like, why do you even say these, Tim? I mean, honestly, why would you even say this? <laughs> okay, guys, I retract it. Everything was perfect and uh, much better. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That Much better. I like this. You know, editing is a beautiful thing. <laughs> uh, but I am curious, though. Like, I'm only talking about this new continuity. I, I don't want to talk about the previous ones because, dang, they're just, I mean, we get into, like, Red Hood and Dark Knight mm-hmm. Returns and all those. And, like, nothing holds a candle to those, personally, to me. But of these new, of these in-continuity movies they've got going on, of the seven, how does Justice League Dark rank to you amongst the seven in-continuity films so far? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, I just... I kind of put it as an offshoot. Like, I don't... To me, it's not, like, necessarily a core... It's not a necessary one at this point, you know, in terms of the the main continuity storyline. I, I don't even know how I would rank them. I mean, obviously, I, I'd say it's probably in the middle. That's about all I would really say about it. Really? Uh, no, it's... it's uh, it's. I mean, because I have not been a big fan of the Justice League movies. I loved Justice League versus Teen Titans. I put this over Justice League versus Teen Titans. Hmm. And... Um, but maybe still below... Definitely below Batman versus Robin... And maybe Son of Batman. I need to go back and watch Son of Batman again because I was not that big a fan of Bad Blood. Mm. So it's 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 up there. It, it it's up there for me, depending uh, depending on some rewatching. Yeah. But I just it, it just had such a flavor that they haven't had before. And Matt Ryan didn't miss a beat as Constantine. No, it Matt was, Ryan was it, fantastic. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. He so was definitely great. There you go, guys. That's our review of Justice League Dark. Sorry, it took me two weeks, but I had to wait for the Blu-ray. <laughs> I had to wait for the Blu-ray to come out and but once i saw it i had a blast yeah yeah it, it definitely definitely worth seeing uh you know i would recommend it i would give it a seven out of ten so and i gave it and 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 if i'm ranking it based on previous films and continuity i'm giving it a four and a half out of five so a nine out of ten okay well there you go guys all right guys one last thing we want to do before we jump out of here let's talk a little bit about lego batman it actually is is out this weekend um now scott now you said you're not going to be able to necessarily see it exactly this weekend is that right um, well i think other married men will understand i <laughs> want to see the movie as soon as possible but my wife also
also wants to see the movie. But we have two kids. So now going to see the movie depends on our ability to uh, pawn off our two kids to somebody else so we can go see the movie. But then my wife also wants to see Hidden Figures. So I have no idea when the hell I'm going to see this movie. <laughs> but I want to as soon as I can. So okay. yes, I don't know. Wait and see. I'm married. My life is not my own. There we go. <laughs> I am married and I told my wife we're going to see it tomorrow and we're going to see it tomorrow. So and I'm actually going to take my two kids. Yeah, I I am debating. I, I want to hear from you. Yeah, we have talked about taking my oldest who's almost four, mm-hmm. but he's only been to one movie before and I have concerns about content. Yeah, I, I so I, I would love to hear sort of your common sense media review of what do you think about taking so, a kid who's like three months away from being four years old? Yeah, so my son is uh, about four and a third, we'll just say. So he's past the age of four and he's uh, he's the one I'm a little worried about, but I think he's going to be okay with this because he's seen the Lego movie and he seemed to be okay with it. He didn't like the part with um, uh, the one, I don't know, I can't remember what the, the bad guy was in the Lego movie, but... Oh, Lord Business. Lord, yeah, we would kind of like fast forward through that. So hopefully it's nothing quite like that. But um, my daughter has been asking me nonstop for like the last two months is, is Lego Batman out yet? Is Lego Batman out yet? So she's definitely pumped. But the bad thing is, so in my theater tomorrow, I went on Fandango and tried to get four seats of for us to go see the film. Everything was sold out the entire day. The entire, like all six showings from matinee up through, you know, nighttime was completely sold out. I mean, there was a couple stray seats, but I couldn't get all of us together. So I had to, I had to fork up the money to go, um, you know, go the 3D route. And I was able to find a showing that had, you know, four seats together. So we're going to do that. So my, my daughter really likes the 3D. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not necessary for me, but uh, last time I took my son to go see a 3D film, we went and saw Sing in 3D because we had the same kind of deal. We couldn't get in. Um, he kept wanting to watch it without his glasses. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Grayson, it's going to be all fuzzy. Put your glasses on. And he just, you know, he just wanted to watch it without. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it. I want to see an IMAX, but they're not offering it in IMAX 3D. Okay. So, um, but I want to see an IMAX. I, I really do enjoy the giant screen and that's how I plan on seeing it. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So uh, guys, the reviews on this thing, I think it's actually certified fresh now at this point, but it's on Rotten Tomatoes, which aggregates all the different uh, reviews that are out there. It has it at a 91%. So audience score of 90%. So it turns out, it uh, looks like this film is doing quite well uh, between critics and audience. So I got to say this though, Scott, this really annoys me. <laughs> what doesn't annoy you? What oh, doesn't annoy there's you? There's a lot of things, but I think it was like, I'm not even going to name these people because it just, it just aggravates me. But people are making a statement that like, well, maybe this is, you know, if the DCU could learn how to make a good film, you know, like Lego Batman, you know, then they'd be much better off or something along those lines, some something ridiculous. And I'm just like, seriously, guys. Match at Matt Atchity, the, the head of Rotten Tomatoes, is saying stuff like that. So And there you go. You go ahead and name them. I didn't want to name them. I'm going to name them. It's, <laughs> it, we've given Rotten Tomatoes enough crap over BVS and Suicide Squad. I mean, I, I don't want to suddenly make Rotten Tomatoes sound like it's wonderful because they're finally agreeing with something that we no, like. No, of course not. I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like Rotten Tomatoes sets the, the ratings anyway. You know, it's it's an aggregate of uh, all the critics and all that. But I mean, so it's just annoying to me. You can't compare these films. Don't even sit there and try to compare these films and say that, well, if you would make this a Batman film like this, you'd have the best Batman film ever or whatever. I mean, you know, that's just a bunch of crap. You know, this is what it is. It's it's a quirky animated Lego oriented film in along along the lines of like Lego Batman or the Lego movie. And, you know, it's going to be absurd 
and ridiculous, and that's not what makes it necessarily a good Batman movie. It, it's it it could be a good take on Batman in that type of form. Uh, but anyway, I'm just I guess all I'm saying is I'm just I get so annoyed at this. I don't even know what to say anymore. Nah, I'm just gonna leave it alone. I'm not gonna let them ruin something that's supposed to be lots of fun for me. Yeah. So you know what? You know that this is when I just sort of turn my brain off and go la 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 la, and I'm gonna yep. go enjoy myself some Lego Batman. Yep. So uh, so Scott, tomorrow during a film, uh, as I'm watching, I I will kind of live text you. You know what's going on in the film. Is that is that cool? And I hope that when I FaceTime you with a giant middle finger sticking out at you, <laughs> I hope that your children are not watching. Uh, that's pretty funny. Anyway, so guys, uh, I think that's it for this show. Um, we had a lot of fun, and you know we tried to make this a little bit looser of an episode. So hopefully you had a lot of fun listening to us. Um, you know if you you know if you want you know reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach the show on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast, and you can reach me uh, personally at Alan Fire. You can reach me at Scott DC twenty seven. Of course, you can email the show at Suicide Squadcast at gmail You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. You can uh, join our Facebook page, the Suicide Squad Network, and you can find bios and past episodes for all of our shows at www.suicidesquadcast.com. Yeah, uh, some of the shows. I haven't uploaded all of them yet, but you know. I'm talking about the sister shows like DC uh, Comic yes, Squadcast and DC yep. TV Squadcast. Do not leave out Ray and Brent and Chris and Jordan. They belong in the family, Tim. Yes, yes, I am well aware of that. Um, so yeah, you can check us out at suicidesquadcast.com. So. so anyway, so that's it, guys. Um, we actually have one more show to record. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a Q&A episode. Yeah. We're going to do part of our Q&A episode, even though I'm like uh, feeling like crap right now. But hey, you know, we're doing this for you guys. That's a lie. We're doing it for us so we can have next week <laughs> off. That's exactly why we're doing this. Uh, you could have next week off. I still got to produce it. So anyway. Eh, well. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. All right, guys. You know, as we like to say every single week, you know, go out, support the characters we all love, and make sure you keep reading DC. Bye, guys. guys, this is Matt Reeves, and I'm really excited to come here and talk about War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Matt, I mean, we're happy to have you here, and uh, we're really looking forward to, you know, Planet of the Apes, the next installment and all that. So, uh, uh, but we, we do want to ask you about the Batman. I mean, so what, what can you tell us about that film? Well, you know, we're just chugging along, you know, trying to make the best movie that we can, and kind of like what I did with War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, but, but, you know, when are we gonna see, but, but Matt, when are we going to see a trailer? Okay, well, you know, it, it's coming. You know, these things take time. What but, about you know, this rewrite? But, I mean, do we, or, did you rewrite the script? I mean, is, is, do you still have Chris Terrio writing a script? Okay, okay. I, you know, I got, I've got some answers to your questions. Okay, Matt, and I have another question to ask you. Do you feel like your high-sounding voice is the right kind of voice for a Batman film? Oh, screw you. See...
is currently at 91%. Is that 91? I saw 98 earlier. What was I looking mm-hmm. at? Okay, 91. So 91%. another failure for DC. Yeah. It, 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 it's rated just as high as the John Wick Chapter 2. Well, John Wick's that high? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. I actually haven't seen the first one. So oh, I my God. To, you have not I seen the to. first John Wick? I have not seen the first John Wick movie. What the hell is I, wrong want, with you? Seriously. I, you have got to watch that film. It is fantastic. 